This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Now, these days, we're all looking for an escape of the humdrum existence of not being able to go many places. Our first show tonight is exactly what the doctor ordered. Escape is an American radio drama that promised a chance to get away from it all. In tonight's episode, Junius Peabody is an alcoholic, broke, and on a beach in an island at the end of nowhere. And his troubles are only beginning. You're crouched in the center of a barren room, the heat of the tropics numbing your brain, your bare hands bleeding and torn, while you face his giant hands reaching before you, the brute of a man whose life depends on killing you. And now the episode entitled, Jetsam. Tired of the everyday grind? Ever dream of a life of romantic adventure? Want to get away from it all? We offer you... Escape. Escape, designed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. You are crouched in the center of a barren room, the heat of the tropics numbing your brain, your bare hands bleeding and torn. While facing you, his giant hands reaching for you, is the brute of a man whose life depends upon his killing you. Listen now as Escape brings you John Russell's unusual story, Jetsam. The pub known as the Crown and Anchor was much like any of its fellow establishments along the Sydney waterfront. It was noisy and ill-lit and always crowded with a clientele that worked hard at being boisterously happy. The liquor was cheap and potent and quickly available. At the Crown and Anchor, there was a little something for everyone. New acquaintances, male or female, old friends to be met, and, of course, arguments. Those wonderful, time-consuming, liquor-bred arguments. What was that again? I said and I say again. You bloody English think you won the war yourself. Well, that's a filthy thing to say. Or maybe you won it yourself in your pretty little skipper. Well, at least I didn't spend my time mucking about in the desert with Montgomery. Uh, No, you don't. (laughs) You big lumbering (laughs) cunt. 
The fleet hero may just collapse. <laughs> Here, give me a hand, Alf. We'll right chuck him out the street. And now, sitting in the waiting room of Morley and Sons solicitors, Junius Peabody couldn't remember too well everything that had happened. He remembered the crown at anchor, and the man with a scarred face, and waking at dawn on the cobbled street face down in the gutter. But he wasn't too clear on the reasons for it all. So John will see you now, Mr. Peabody. Uh. Good morning, Junius. Sit down. I, uh... I'm sorry about not keeping our appointment the other day, said John. It was almost two weeks ago, Junius. Yes, I'm sorry, sir. I wanted to see you because I've had another cable from your father. Yes, sir? Sent along a letter of credit, drawn in the amount of 50 pounds. From what he says in the cable... I don't think he expects you to come back to England. But the last time I wrote, I said I'd be home. I said I'd work for him there. Yes, I don't think that's of much interest to your father anymore. Would you care to see the cable? Um, no. No, thank you. Now, he also has instructed me to advance you no more money under any consideration. So, I'm not to be a remittance man after all. Junius, do you have any plans? I have no plans. Well, what about your commission? Who can use a 35-year-old flyer, one that can't even hold a rum glass steady? Yes, and that's something else, Junius. This drinking of yours... This is going to be a lecture, Sir John? Well, in a sense, yes. Now, ever since the war, you've done your best to become an alcoholic. Why? Why does anyone drink? Well, may I tell you why I think you do? The war. You're still fighting it. Still in a Singapore prisoner of war, Captain. Yeah. And you were a good officer and a good pilot, I'm told. You could have gone on if you'd let yourself. Why can't you forget what's behind you? Forget what you went through. Others have? This is a lecture, isn't it? Well, you came to Australia at the war's end. You've done a lick of work since. Now, really, you lived as well as you could in the money your father sent out here. You've held only one position in all that time, and that you managed to keep for just three weeks. I was out sick in a hospital. Oh, you were dead drunk in a back street house. I was out sick. <laughs> Call it what you want. But don't use the war as an excuse for your own shortcomings. Oh, it must be very fine to be successful and smug and righteous. Now, Julius, listen to me No, for a I won't. I'm sick to teeth of men like you and my father. Preaching, moralizing. I'm tired of the lot of you. Now, if you'll be good enough to give me that letter of credit, I will get out of your office. Now, you're talking like a child. A letter, Julius. please. Yeah? Junius, where are you going? For as long as my money holds out, Sir John, I shall be at the noisiest, filthiest, and most enjoyable bar in Sydney. And that was the start of a most colossal binge for Junius Peabody. The entries were badly blurred, but he could trace himself up through Brisbane, Port Moresby, Macau... There were assorted voyages and counter-voyages, women's faces, and the cloying aroma of heavy perfumes. There was a hectic session when he and a Norwegian schooner captain hit the bank at Fantan and swore eternal friendship amid champagne baskets. And it was this same captain who landed him finally, the champagne baskets having been emptied, on a small island. And it was on this island 
that he found a bar where a tall, cynical white man by the name of Bendemeyer cashed in the remains of the dwindling letter of credit for the last magnificent splurge. And now, weeks after leaving Sydney, Junius awoke on the wide sandy beach watching the dawn spread over the butternut sea. Hello. Hmm? You don't happen to have a flask or anything handy about you. Well, if I had one... It would be empty. Shame it is. I've a notion I'm about to have the fantods. The what? Fantods, you know, the creepers. Oh. Yeah. I could use a bracer myself. I'm the Sydney Duck. Your name's Peabody. That's right. <laughs> it wasn't half a party you give last night at the Bendemeer's. The... Bendemeers? It seems to me I was thrown out of there last night. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. You was, and me, and the big Dutchman, Willems. But it was your fault. You started playing Chuck Farvin among his bottles with a bunch of copper spikes. I've never seen a man hold his liquor worse. Well, I paid for it, didn't I? It was my money, and heavens knows you had your share of it. Well, Lord love you, chum, that I did. Hey, seeing as he threw us out, I... I suppose your credit's gone. I imagine. Sydney. Yes? What is this place? This is a beach, chum. And the island's Fufuti. <laughs> and what the devil's Fufuti? 3,000 miles from the nearest pub. <laughs> uh, I, well, I, I did have some cufflinks and things. I wonder what became of them. Hey, uh, hey you got any smokes left? Oh. Uh, here. Thanks. Thanks. Well, you're on the beach now, matey, that's for certain. And you won't like it, you won't. Do you? Me, I'm used to it. But look at your hands. Although you never did a day's work in your life with them soft hands. You was probably a gentleman. But you're a beachcomber now, matey, a lousy beachcomber. And you needn't expect me to do no begging for you, for I won't no fear. Junius turned and examined the features of the Sydney duck who was hunched on the sand beside him. The prominence of the nose and upper lip, the thin pink ears, the jutting teeth that gave him the feeble ferocity of a rat. And at the same time he was conscious of himself, only in a different way. Here was Junius Peabody, washed up on the beach at the far edge of the world like any other bit of useless jetsam to stay and to rot. Pretty low. Oh, it ain't so bad. Nobody starves here, that's one thing. You can always fall in with a wedding or a birthday or something. Or maybe you come across a new chum with a bit of brass. Some flat who's willing to stand the drinks. Like me? Oh, there's plenty like you. The pearl fishing brings them in, you see. When they're stony like you, they usually take a job till they get a chance to get away again. That is, if they're able to do anything at all. What can you do? That's a good question, Sidney. Well, what can you do? I can fly a spitfire and I'm a good judge of French brandy. Huh. That's not much, is it? Not much. Hey, hey. Yeah, what's the game? I'm Where going... are you going? I'm going to take a swim. Have you had yours yet? Oh, ho, ho, ho. Morning bath. On the beach at Fufuti. Well, you can't tell, Sidney. You might like it. Oh, go on. Can't prove that water ever helped anybody. Hi. 
You really are going in. Yes, I really am. Keep an eye on my things, Sidney. Oh, right you are, me lord. Hope the bath ain't too cold, me lord. Oh, oh. <laughs> Junius walked down the sand alone to the water's edge and stood looking out to where the sun sent a long, glittering path toward him across the morning sea. And he was suddenly conscious that he made an ugly figure under the clear light. He moved out into the water till it reached his knees. Then something bumped against his shin, nearly tripping him. He could see the object floating nearby. It was a rough lump of some substance, grayish-brown, the size of a boy's football. He picked it up. To the touch, it was greasy. Sydney! Sydney Duck! What? Come down here to the surf a minute. I'm close enough now. You got something to show me? Bring it here. This was floating about in the water. I think I know what it is, but I can't quite believe it. Think you know what what is? This. Sit up and have a look at it. Hey, boy, the great Lord Harry. It's the stuff. Look at it. All smooth and greasy-like. Oh, we ain't struck it rich nor nothing. Oh, no, not much. But uh, shouldn't there be an odor, a, a perfume? That comes later when it's not so fresh and anybody else would not. Hey, what could this be but... Ambergris, worth nearly two pounds an ounce. Right here on for foodie. Here, here, let me take a feel of it. Two pounds an ounce. Ambergris, as right as rain. And there must be eight, ten pounds here. And half of it's mine. What? I say half of that's mine. Ain't I been palling along with you? Wasn't I here? It's a fair divvy. I want me half. You're half? <laughs> Nothing small about you, is there? No, my lad, this is my insurance off this island. I'll give you whatever I don't need. Oh, no, Mr. Peabody, you wouldn't forget an old friend who came to your side when you was on the beach, would you? Why, you dirty old windbag. You'd just be happy if you get anything. Mr. Peabody, I know a gentleman like you will do the right thing. Yes, well, don't you worry, Sidney. You just... <coughs> <laughs> now, lie cosy, Mr. Peabody. It's a real shame to see a gentleman like you lying all stretched out in the sand. But since you're there... I'll just relieve you of this insurance of yours. And now, I bid you a respectful good day, Mr. Peabody. In just a moment, the second act of Escape. But first, tomorrow night at most of these same CBS radio stations, hear William Powell in a startling anti-communist drama titled The Man Who Cried Wolf on Suspense, tomorrow night on CBS Radio. And now, back to Escape. Why Junius Peabody hadn't been killed by the Sydney Duck's blow at the base of his skull was hard to understand. But it was only a matter of minutes later that he presented himself at Bendemeyer's saloon and general store. It was the only place Junius was known on the island of Fufuti. And Bendemeyer was the local authority. He was at once the best loved and the best hated individual, being police, landowner, merchant, trader, and purveyor of bad alcohol. Junius stood a moment, trying to get his breath, and then... I've been robbed. So? The property of mine has been stolen. Money, this was? 
N- no, not money. Then what do you care? What do I care? What are you talking about, man? What was this property you lost? Well, that's not important to you. I want to know if you're going to do anything about it. No. Why should I? But you're the only authority on the island. That's right. Who was the man who stole from you? Sidney Duck. He hit you and ran off? Yes. I could help you, but I won't. I've seen too many of your kind here on the beach. Drift stuff that gets washed in. You're not worth it. All right, I'll do this myself since he won't help. Where are you going? I don't know, but this island isn't so big I can't find the Sydney duck. You go alone to retake this property of yours? Since I must, yes. You're a fool. They'll probably kill you. Well, they'll probably... They? Those that live at Tenpo Head, that's where the Sydney duck will be now. That's where they all go when they must hide because of some minor lawlessness. The Sydney duck has something of mine and I'm going to get it back. And when I do, I'll be in to see you to talk business. I still think you're a fool. Bendemir, last night you cashed in the last of my letter of credit. That's right. You were glad enough to help me then. You had money. That's the only drive you have? Money? It's the biggest. But let me tell you more. I don't mind helping a man who's worth something. A man who wants to help himself but you. I know your kind. You're filled with rum and useless. You're jetsome. You always will be. You're very sure, aren't you? I know your kind. Pitying yourself. Thinking no one understands you or your problems. So you swill in rum in order to hide. You always will. I'm going out to Tembo Head. And I'll be back. I'll give you a drink. If you get back. It took the better part of two hours for Junius to work his way over the lava cliffs and crevices, knife-like and treacherous, to Tenbo Head, or what was better known as The Rocks. And here, his fingernails bleeding, his clothes torn, Junius finally found the Sydney Duck and Willems. They were seated on a small ledge, half hidden by pandanus leaves, overlooking the blue Pacific 30 feet below. Between the hulking German and the little Sydney duck was the prize, his prize. The gray-brown ball, now enclosed in a torn fishnet. Empty-handed, there was no way to take the ambergris from the two of them. Junius crouched low behind the foliage, thinking. And then a plan came to mind, so simple that Junius smiled. With a rush, he cleared the foliage and, stooping, clutched the filled net with one hand. Then, before the two startled men could more than cry out, he dove into the ocean 30 feet below. Vandermeer! Coming! I was out in the storeroom and I... Peabody. That's right. I'm back. So I see. But not in good condition. It'll do. You needn't stare. I'm a paying customer now. As how? Ambergris. My property. Over ten pounds of it. What? Was it this the Sydney duck robbed you of? That's right. And you went out to the rocks to get it back from him yourself? From them. Willems, the German, was with him. By yourself? You did this? Look, there's the stuff. Now about that business proposition. Concerning this? Right. 
How much do you want for it? A thousand silver dollars or two thousand shillings. I don't have that much about me. Suppose we say a standing credit for a thousand drinks instead. I want money, not liquor. It amounts to the same thing. By the time you drunk yourself to death, I'd simply have the money back again. No, it doesn't, because I'm going to leave this island. And to do that, I need money. So let's talk business, Bendemir. Not yours to sell, you bloody thief. What? Mr. Bendemir, this man here. This Peabody robbed me and my partner, Williams, of that what's lying on your counter there. And if you want to do business, it should be with Williams and me. Yeah, that's right. That's ours. Now, what do you give us? I've been told it's not yours. Sydney, you're a lying little cheat. You know, that's mine. I found it. That belongs to the Sydney doctor. That's a lie. Don't tell me how quiet. All of you. Oh, Mr. Vanderbilt, after all, it's, it's, it's our word against this. And that there are two of us. But what if two of you are lying? How do you suggest it be settled? <laughs> Fight for it. Yeah, fine. We'll, we'll go outside, the three of us, and whoever comes back in, it's, it's rightly theirs. Yeah, good. The minute I set foot outside that door, you'd have a knife in my back. Oh, you don't sound as brave as you did before, Mr. Peabody. Not against the two of them. I'm not a fool, that's all. Against uh, one, perhaps? Villains? Why not? <laughs> Ach, after all, you could kill Sydney with one blow. You must hate people. Just weaklings. All right, I'll fight. And if I win? I'll buy from you. Sydney, sit down in that chair where I can keep an eye on you. Yes. Give it to him proper, Williams. There are no rules. Go ahead. You're big and stupid, Willems. As a... <laughs> Now that's enough for you, no? Yeah. It is easily settled. Sydney Doc. Yes? Get your friend out of here. I have business to discuss with Mr. Peabody. You feel better now that you are bathed and no. whole again, huh? Now let's get on with it. I want money for this stuff. I want to leave this place as soon as possible. You can only get off this island when... And how I allow you. You see, mine is the only boat, the likely Jane. You can see her through the window there. A brandy. I had my final drink in this place last night when you threw me out. Sure? Quite. Uh. Well, just in case. Now, let me suggest my plan. The island of Nukava, which I own, is well planted with coconut crop. However, Nukava is on the edge of the earth, the farthest corner, and the loneliest, and the driest. There are twelve Kanaka boys there, but I need an agent, someone <clears throat> I can trust. Why do you tell me? A white man could live there if he wanted to, and if he were fit to live at all. Of course, once he was there, he'd be stuck for a year on a coral gridiron. 
There's not a drop of anything to drink, save water. And that is brackish. Look, Bendemir, what about this ambergris? I've got more than ten pounds of it. Will you buy it? You can't very well take it anywhere else if I wouldn't buy it. Can you? Now, I'll make you an offer. I'll buy this lump of stuff from you, and I'll buy it either two ways. I'll give you a half interest in Nukaba, and you go there at once to take charge as agent or else. Here is the first of your brandy, and I'll keep you perpetually drunk as long as you last. Nukaba. Once you're there, Peabody, there's no escape. You'll sit and fry. What for? Why do you offer me a choice like this? Because it amuses me. Because I please. Because... Uh, I know what you'll do. Yes? I've been watching men of your sort all my life. And I know just what they're worth. Drift on beaches, scraps, trash, jetsam. Regeneration, ugh, rot and drivel. You can't save yourself any more than you could lift yourself by your own bootstraps. It suits me to prove you this way. Uh-huh. There's your stinking brandy on the floor to say that you're wrong, Vendemir. You lose. Oh, so? Yes. I'll go to Nukata. As my agent? Yes. You'll stay and run the island for a year? Yes. If only to prove there are some scraps thrown on the beach that are worth something. Yeah. So I see. So I see. The likely chain will sail within an hour. Yes. I'll be aboard. An hour or so later, as Bendemir watched the likely Jane set a course for Nukava, there was a smile on the face of that remarkable man, curiously unlike that of a loser's chagrin. He was still smiling as he went back to his storeroom to put the place to rights. There was a clutter of odds and ends of cargo from one of his surf boats, which had upset the day before while hauling cargo out to his schooner. Most of it had been salvaged by his Kanaka boys along the shore, but a certain tub containing tallow had lost a part of its contents. However, he was able now to restore the missing tallow, a large lump, weighing perhaps ten pounds or so. Under the direction of Norman MacDonald, Escape has brought you Jetsam by John Russell, adapted by Norman MacDonald and starring Ben Wright. Featured in the cast were John Daner as Bendemere, Lawrence Dobkin as Sir John, and Charlie Lung as the Sydney Duck. The narrator was Edgar Berrier. Editorial supervision is by John Meston. And the special music for Escape is composed and conducted by Leith Stevens. Next week... standing in inky blackness looking up a long flight of stairs at the top of which looks something unbelievably evil while in the moving shadows behind you coming closer to you is the shadowy figure of something that could only come from a nightmare so listen next week when escape 
brings you Anthony Ellis's terrifying story, I Saw Myself Running. CBS Radio, hear Robert Q. Lewis filling in for Arthur Godfrey, who's off on an Air Force mission. On House Party, another of our Monday through Friday mainstays here on CBS Radio, popular Art Linkletter holds the reins. Don't miss them tomorrow on most of these same CBS Radio stations. This is Roy Rowan speaking. America now listens to 105 million radio sets and listens most to the CBS Radio Network. Stay tuned for Archie Andrews next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Archie Andrews and the story of the family being locked out. Hello? Hello, Jughead. This is Archie. Come over right away. It's a matter of life or death. Ah, oh, relax, Archie. Relax. <laughs> For millions of readers of Archie Comics magazine, know and love so well, Archie Andrews and all his gang. Now for our weekly visit to Riverdale. It's 10 o'clock Friday evening as we join the Andrews family, and we find Mr. and Mrs. Andrews just returning home after an evening of bridge. <sighs> well, Mary, that was quite an evening. I guess this time we showed the Hendersons who plays the best game of bridge. Yes, dear. <laughs> How much did we lose? <laughs> well, uh, if you had returned my lead in that last hand, we'd have won. We... Now, Fred, let's not rehash that last hand all night. The game's over, it's late, and I'm tired. So open the door and let's get to bed. All right, then. All right. I... Oh, good grief. What's the matter? Oh, nothing, dear, but you better let me have your keys. All right, dear. I... My keys? My house keys? Yes, dear. I didn't take mine when we went out. But, Fred, my keys are in my purse, and I told you I was leaving my purse home tonight. Mary, what has that got to do with opening the... left your purse? <laughs> you mean to say your keys are locked inside the house, too? I'm afraid so. Oh, good grief. We're locked out. It looks that way. Well, all the time for this to happen. No keys. Mary, how can you be so absent-minded? Fred, You're always I... forgetting things. Fred, Never I... saw anyone like you for forgetting things. Fred, you forgot your keys, too, remember? Oh. <laughs> That's right, I did, didn't I? Oh, oh. oh that matter, dear. It doesn't matter. I'll just ring the bell and wake Archie up. That's all. All right. For a minute, oh. I was afraid you... 
Wake Archie up? Fred, you can't do that. Why not? The boy's probably just gotten asleep. Yeah, but Mary, You I wake can... him up now and you'll never get back to bed. Mary, I... Besides, it's not fair to Archie to wake him out of a sound sleep. He's a growing boy and he needs his sleep. Mary, look, I'm not a growing boy, but I need sleep, too. <laughs> Fred, I know that, but do we have to wake Archie? Nope. No, we don't have to wake him. We can just curl up in the front lawn and spend the night there. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, all right, Fred. I suppose we have to wake the boy up. Ring the bell. All right. Don't know why you couldn't have said that five minutes ago. Stand here all night arguing about whether to get into my own house or not. <laughs> Cold out here, too. What's taking that boy so long, anyway? Well, he'll be down in a minute. He has to put on his bathrobe and slippers, doesn't he? Mary, about you were a centipede, he could have put his slippers on by this time. I'll ring it again. <laughs> now what's keeping him? Well, he always was a sound sleeper. Mary, a dead man would have heard the bell by this time. <laughs> well, um... Try calling him. Oh, me. All right, dear. I'll call him. Archie! Call again, dear. Archie! Call again. Archie! Call again. Mary, you sound like a telephone operator. What? Never mind, dear. Never mind. Archie! You calling me that? Yes, it's about time you heard me. About time? Yes. Fred, I... Mary, I'll handle this. Yes, you about time. I rang that bell for an hour. But, Dad, Now, I... get down here and open this door. Well, Dad, And I... hurry up. Well, Dad, I... can't I... stand here all night. Fred, the boy's... Mary, right... please. But, Fred, I'm trying to tell you, Archie is right there beside Mary, me. Mary, I know that, but what difference does it make if he is? The door right here. Archie, where did you come from? Jughead's house, Dad. I went over there to do some homework with him right after you and Mom left for the Hendersons. Oh, fine. And I thought you were up in your... Oh, well, it doesn't matter now. As long as you're here, Archie. As long as you're here, unlock that front door. Okay, Dad. Give me your keys. All right. I have them right here in my... Give my keys. Archie, that's the point. I don't have my keys. I left them in the house. Gee whiz, you did? Yes, I did. Now, use your own keys and open that door. Well, gee whiz, Dad, when I went to Jughead's house, I forgot you had gone out and I didn't take my keys with me. Archie, never mind the details. Just open the door and... <laughs> what did you say? I said I didn't take my keys with me. Mary, Mary, did you hear what the boy said? He didn't now, take it. Now, Fred, don't he, make a scene. Don't make a scene. Mary, I'll... After all, if we uh, both forgot our keys, why shouldn't Archie be entitled to forget his? Because nobody with any brains ever... I, I mean, if he took after me, he... I mean, he has no right to... 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 to, to good grief, I don't know what I mean. Fred, it looks like we're locked out. Let's face it. Mary, I am facing it, but I don't know what to do about it. Well, gee whiz, maybe the back door is open. No, dear, it isn't. You know that ever since the time burglars broke into Mrs. Hastings' house and took six dollars in Mr. Hastings' wig, I always lock all the windows and doors before we go out so nobody can get in. Including us. Well, Fred, I didn't forget the keys on purpose, you know. Yes, Mary, I... What's that? She wished that's our fault. Oh, fine. Oh, dear. 
I wonder who it can be. Might be important. Yeah. It might even be Veronica. Fred, we've got to answer the phone. And just how do you suggest I do that from out here? Gee whiz, maybe if we shouted hello real loud, they'd... Dear, don't be funny. that, okay. Oh, dear. So frustrating to hear it and not be able to answer it. Mary, look, if it's important, they'll call back later. Besides, this needs to stop now anyway. Yes, so. Fred, we've got to get into that house. Yes, Mary, I know that, but how? Hey, gee whiz. What is it? An open window. An open window? Where? Where, Archie? Where? Up there in my room. Good. We'll just climb through and... Up there. In your room? Uh-huh. Oh, great. Archie, look, a lot of help that is. How are we going to get into an open window up in the second floor? Why? Gee whiz, no, Dad. We can use our stepladder. Stepladder? Yeah. Oh. Oh, yes, stepladder. <laughs> Archie, that's a wonderful idea. Fine, Archie. Great. Go get the ladder. Okay, Dad. It's down in the basement. Give me your keys. All right. I have the right... Don't! Don't! Archie, for the last time, I don't have my keys, so please quit asking for them. <laughs> Gee whiz, I forgot. Archie, are you sure the ladder's down in the basement? Belongs in the garage. Oh, I'm positive, Mom. I saw it down there just this afternoon. Well, what the Dickens is it doing there? Well, you put it there. Oh. Fred, never mind what it's doing there. We can't get it, and that's that. Oh, I guess so. But, Mary, what are we going to do? We can't stand here all well, night. Gee whiz, Dad, I know. No? No what? Well, I can just run next door to Betty's house and borrow their ladder. Their ladder? Sure, Dad. Don't you remember that big extension ladder that Betty's father has? Oh, yes. Uh, that's just what we need. Run over and borrow. Okay, Dad, be right back. Well, well, Mary, now we're getting someplace. As soon as Archie gets that ladder, we'll just climb up to that open window up there and get into the house. <laughs> yes, sir, it's a good thing I thought of Betty's father's ladder. You thought of it? Fred Andrews, it was Archie who thought of it, not you. Yeah. All right, yeah, all right, all right. Oh, Archie thought of it. The main thing is that as soon as he gets the ladder, we'll get into the house. Jughead. What'd you expect? The shadow? <laughs> No, Jughead, I did not expect the shadow, nor you either. Jughead, what are you doing here? Oh, well, Mrs. Andrews, I brought the big book back. You what? Brought the big book back. Jughead, what is a big book back? She was, you don't understand. There's no such thing as a big book back. Didn't you say you just brought one? No, I said I brought the big book back. <laughs> Jughead, I still don't know what the dickens you're talking about. I'm talking about Archie's history book. History book? Uh-huh. Archie has two history books, a big one and a small one. What about it? Well, he left the big one at my house. Yes? And I thought he might need it, so I brought the big book back. <laughs> For pity's sake. Jughead, why didn't you say so? I did, five times. <laughs> say, what are you folks doing out here anyway? Jug, we're waiting for Archie to get back here with the ladder. We're locked out. Locked out? Locked out of your house? Yes, Doug had locked out of the house. She was... My Uncle Herman was locked out of the house once, and he had to pick the lock with a hairpin. With a hairpin? Uh-huh. And boy, did he have trouble. What kind of trouble? Wrong house. <laughs> oh, for pity's sake. Doug had that's very interesting, but we don't have time for your stories about your Uncle Herman right hey, now. Hey, wait, wait a minute. What? Mary, that's a wonderful idea. What's a wonderful idea? Well, why wait for Archie to get back here with that ladder and then have to go climb through a window? I bet I could pick that lock. Fred, you're fooling. I am not. 
As a matter of fact, picking a lock was very simple. The chief of police was showing us how it's done down at the Chamber of Commerce lecture on crime prevention last month. Why, it's a sin. Oh, but Fred, I well, don't... I you. tell you, there's nothing to it there. Besides, what do we have to lose? A hairpin. Judge, be quiet. Mary, you have a hairpin. Well, yes, dear, I think so. There should be one of my hair right here somewhere. Oh, here it is, dear. Yeah, thank you, dear. Thank you. I should have thought of this long ago. Now, just watch the old master go to work. Yeah, Raffles Andrews, they call him. Just be quiet. Now, just put the hairpin in here. And I turn it around till it catches on the tumbler like that. Then I give it a little twist and... Uh, that's funny. Fred, does it work? No, dear. There must be something wrong with the lock. The hairpin's stuck in it. You mean you can't get the hairpin out? No, dear, I can't. When the chief of police did it, it was the simplest thing I ever saw. Fred Andrews, a lot of help you are. Now the lock's jammed and we'll have to call someone in tomorrow no, to no, fix no, it. No, 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 dear, don't get excited. Oh, we're no worse off than we were. we just wait for Archie to bring the letter. Then after we get into the house, I'll get some flyers and get that hairpin out myself. Oh, I don't think you... Oh, here's the... Oh, he has the ladder. Yeah. Yeah, I got the ladder, Dad. But I had to wake Betty's father up, and boy, was he mad. Oh, dear. Was he very mad? No, it doesn't matter, Mary. It doesn't matter. I'll apologize to him in the morning. The main thing is we have the ladder, and now we can get into the house. No, okay, All Dad. right, now, then, let's... Get... Oh, fine. She was... There goes the phone again. Oh, dear. It must be something important. Yeah, I bet it's Veronica. Archie, she said I... she'd call. Archie, and I, I said I'd be home. And Archie, now she'll think I... I'm out with another girl. What? Archie, look! There was no sense standing here moaning about that phone. We can't answer it. Now, the sooner we get up that get that ladder set up, and the sooner we get up to the where we're going, we can answer the phone, call Veronica, and see if she's the one who's calling. Yes, Dad. Stop now, anyway. Well, come on. Get the ladder and <laughs> What was that? I don't know. <laughs> Gee whiz, that sounds like Jughead. Archie, don't be silly. Jughead is right here. Good grief, where is Jughead? <laughs> Fred, that is Jughead. Yes, Mary, but where the dickens is he? Jughead, where are you? Down in the basement. Down in the basement? How could he be down in the basement? Fred, I don't know. That basement window over there is open. He must have gone in through that. Oh, good grief. Jughead, are you down there? Are you around? Get me out of here. Uh, Jughead, calm down for a minute. How did you get in there? I saw this window open and I climbed in so I could go upstairs and open the front door for you. Oh, Jughead, that's wonderful. Go ahead, go on upstairs and open the door for us. That's just it, I can't. I laid it in a closet or something and it's locked. Oh, for pity's sake. Fred, that window leads into the storage closet where I keep my jams and jellies and preserves. Good grief. Mary, do you keep that closet locked? No, dear, it isn't locked, but I keep a piece of wood in the latch so the door won't swing open. Mm, and as far as Jughead's concerned, it's locked. Get me out of this closet! Jughead, listen, can't you climb back out of the window? No! I had to jump down and I had nothing to stay on to get back up. There's nothing here but some jars. Fred, tell him not to dare stand on those jars. Oh, Mary, those are I my can't... best jams and jelly. Mary, He'll I... He'll break every one of them if he tries to stand on them. Mary! I'll tell him. Well... Well, calm down and quit worrying about your jams and jelly. Oh, Fred, I don't want him to break them. It took me Mary, hours I said hours. I'd tell him. All right, dear. Jughead, look. I'm looking, but it's too dark to see anything. <laughs> then listen. 
It looks like you had to stay right where you are for a while. What is this, Miss Jane? Jughead! Oh, can you? Can you? Now, Jughead, it'll take us just a minute to get that ladder up and get into the house. And as soon as we do, we'll come down and let you out of there. But right now, there's nothing you can do but sit there and be patient. You understand? He wins, okay. Okay. <sighs> now, remember... Don't try to climb out. You'll only have an accident. Okay, but hurry up. The trouble's gone down here. Yes, we'll hurry as fast as we can, Jughead. Oh. Come on, Archie. Let's put that ladder up. Okay, Dad. Boy, but that Jughead sure gets into things. He certainly does. We'll have him out in a minute. Now, let's just put this ladder up against the house. Okay, Dad. I have this side. Oh, good. Stand it against the house. Yep. There we are. Fred, it doesn't reach high enough. Of course it doesn't, dear, not yet. We have to raise the extension half to where we want it. Oh. Now, you hold the ladder, and I'll pull on this rope to raise the other half of the ladder. Oh, okay, Dad. Okay. Hold this. Yeah, attaboy, Dad. It's going up. It's going up, all right. Uh, just a little more, dear. How's that? Oh, yeah, that's fine, Dad. It's right under my window. Oh, all right. Now we're all set. Archie, go up that ladder and climb. Dad. Huh? Don't you dare send Archie up that ladder. Why not? Because it's dangerous, that's why not. He might slip and fall right off the ladder and break a leg. Fred, you go up. Oh. (laughs) All right, I'll go. Who go up? Oh, it's all right if I slip and break a leg, I suppose. It doesn't matter if I Wait, break a leg. I didn't it mean that at all. I, I it, meant it, you'll be more cautious about it, dear. You know how reckless youngsters are. She was, Mom. I'm not reckless. Never mind, Archie. Your mother is right. I'll go up the ladder. She was okay, okay. But I can climb a ladder just as good as anyone. There's some other time, Archie. Well, here I go. Be careful now, Fred. Yes, I am, dear. I am. Ah, attaboy, Dad. Keep going. Yes, Archie. Careful, Dad. You're coming to the extension now. Careful. I know it, Archie. I know it. I... Oh, 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 Dad, you're slipping. Oh, 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 oh. Fred, what happened? Mary, you saw what happened. I got halfway up that ladder, the darn extension slipped, and I slid back down. That's what happened. Gee whiz. You know, it probably didn't lock in place like it was supposed to. It probably didn't. I was lucky I didn't fall off there and break my neck. Hello, everybody. Gee whiz, Betty. Oh, fine. Hello, Betty. How's the ladder working out, Mr. Andrews? Betty, so far the ladder is not working out. It isn't? No, it isn't. I put the ladder up, then I got halfway up, then the extension slipped back, and I slid off the ladder. Oh, golly, no wonder. Huh? You've got the ladder wrong side out. Wrong side out? Uh Uh-huh, sure. Hmm? Turn it over so the extension part is outside, and then it can't slip. Uh, Oh, well, is that why it slipped? Oh, sure it is, Mr. Andrews. I'm sure that's why. Positive that's why, I think. (laughs) Well, maybe you're right, Betty, Oh, yeah. I think you are right. Come on, Archie. Let's twist the ladder around so I can use the other side of it. Okay, Dad. Uh, uh, easy now. Yeah, that's good. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we are. Uh, now I'll raise the extension again, and we're all set. Yeah, sure. I should have thought of that myself. Uh, now it's okay. Oh, Fred, be careful. Oh, don't worry, Mrs. Andrews. It'll work all right now. Yes, sir. Can't miss now. Uh, after all, a ladder is a simple thing. I'll get up there this time, or my name is Fred Andrews. Call me Joe. Gee whiz. Golly, Fred, did you hurt yourself? Mary, I didn't do myself any good. Oh, oh, my back. Oh, golly, I'm sorry, Mr. Andrews. I guess the other way was right in the first place. Right in the first place? Betty, I... Fred, don't make a scene. Don't make a scene. I fall off a ladder. I nearly killed myself because Betty tells me to turn it over. And you tell me not to make a scene. Mary, I... I arguing about it won't do any good. If you don't know how to use that ladder, don't use it. But we've got to get into the house. All right, dear, all right. But if we're going to get into that house, Mary, we'll have to find some other way of going. Oh, great. Golly, what's that? Jughead. He's in the basement. Oh, dear. Fred, we better see what's the matter. Jughead sounds like he's in trouble. Oh, dear. Jughead, what is it? Oh, Jughead, I'm right here. What's the matter? Jughead, I said I'm right here. What's the matter? There's a mouse in here. Oh, great mouse. Jughead, you mean to say you made all that noise because there's a little mouse in there? Yeah, I'm afraid of mice in the dark. Oh, fine. Jughead, look, if there is a mouse in there, believe me, he's more afraid of you than you are of him. Yeah, well, he's gonna better get out of here and I don't. <laughs> well, then you may be sure he's gone by now, so just be quiet. Okay, but when do I get out of here? As soon as we get into the house. Just be patient. He was okay, but hurry up. Yes, Jughead. Oh, that Jughead. Mary, I tell you, that boy is Fred, not right. Fred, never mind Jughead now. We still have to get into the house. It's getting late. Mary, don't you think I want to get into that house as much as you do? Yes, dear. But do something about it. I'm trying to, dear. I'm trying... Oh, no. She was the phone again. Golly, and you can't answer it, can you? Uh, no, we can't answer it. So I don't want to hear any more moaning about how important the call probably is. Just let the darn thing ring and ignore it. Yeah, Dad. But whoever it is sure keeps calling back. Archie, it may be three different people who have called. Or it may even be three wrong numbers, for all we know. Just forget the darn thing. Okay, Dad, okay. Stop anyway again. Now, does anybody have any ideas of how we're going to get into this house? Mr. Andrews? Yes? I just noticed something on the ladder. Betty, I don't want to hear any more about that ladder. It is a menace to life and limb. I am not going up on it again for a million dollars. Okay, Mr. Andrews, but I'm just curious about whether you locked it. Locked it? Well, yes, you see this gadget? It says lock here. That's so it won't slip back. 
Oh, good grief. I never saw that. Gee whiz, no wonder the ladder kept slipping. For pity's sake. Fred, do you think it's safe to try it again if you lock it with that gadget? I don't know, Mary. And, Dad, I'll hold the ladder this time, and we'll be doubly sure it won't slip. No, maybe so. All right, Archie. I don't know what else we can do. Let's put the ladder up there again. Yeah, okay, Dad. There we are. Now I'll raise the extension again. Well, that's fine, Mr. Andrews. All right. Now, Archie, lock that gadget. Okay, Dad. There. Now I bet it won't slip in a million years. Yeah, I don't expect to be on the ladder that long. <laughs> but you hold it anyway now, do you hear? Oh, yes, sir, Dad. I'll hold it with all my strength. All right. Now maybe we can get into this house. I... Well, it's just what's going on here. Oh, I'm just going up this ladder to see... Oh, good grief. The policeman. Oh, dear. She wears Ollie. Well? Uh, hello, up there. Yeah. <laughs> a nice evening. Yes. <laughs> Lovely evening. But I asked you what's going on here. Well, officer, you see, my name is Fred Andrews, and this is my wife, Mary Andrews, and this is my son, Archie. Never mind the family history. What's going on here? Well, I'm getting to that, officer. I'm getting to that. You see, I live here, and we're locked out of the house. Locked out? Yes, we forgot our keys, and we're trying to get into the house. Mm-hmm. And if you wait just a minute till uh, we get in, officer, I'll be glad to show you my mortgage and prove it's my house and everything. <laughs> and... <laughs> what was that? The great Jughead again. Who? Jughead. He's in the basement, and he's afraid of... In the of... basement? Listen, I thought you said you were locked out. Oh, we are, officer. We're locked out and Jughead is locked in. Oh, you're locked out and he's locked in. Yes, he's in the preserve closet, officer. Look, Mary, Mary, Mary I'll handle this. Yeah, you see, he's really in a jam, you might say. <laughs> you get it? Even like... <laughs> Be quiet. Jughead, what's the matter now? Jughead, I told you not to be afraid of one little mouse. I'm not, but I think he's brought his friend. Jughead, be quiet for just a minute. We're having a little trouble here. Okay, okay. Oh, that boy. Now, officer, I can explain the whole thing. My wife and I went out to play some bridge. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not interested in any stories. I want to see proof that you own this house. And I want to see whoever it is... You've got locked in that basement. Oh, we don't have him locked in there. He just... Never mind. You just go ahead and get into that house, and then we'll get this thing straightened out. Oh, all right, officer. I will. I will right now. Archie, hold this ladder. Oh, okay, Dad. Okay, I now, got it. I'm sure you're holding good and strong. I... Come on, now. Quit stalling. I don't have all night. Yes, officer. I am. I am. I am. Uh... Oh, I can hold the ladder now. Okay, Dad, I am. Get up there. Hold the ladder. My goodness, what's going on here? Veronica. She whiz, Veronica. Hold the ladder, Archie. Hello, Archie. (laughs) Hold the ladder a little steadier, Archie. Hi, y'all, Archiekins. It's also nice to see old Archie. See <laughs> Hold on, Archie. Come on now. Hurry up there. I am, officer. I am. But what's going on here anyway? Archie. 
wobbly. Hold the ladder. It's wobbly. That's a long story, Veronica. But were you trying to call here a while ago? Why, well, no, Archie. Yeah, Archie, hold to... the ladder. I'm going to fall. I'm going to fall. That was a softer landing than I expected. Get off my chest! Oh, you bad. You landed right on the police line. Well, Mary, I... What happened? Archie, if you... Oh, goodness, I didn't know you were on that ladder, Miss Angel. Veronica, please. Get off my chest! Yes, officer, yes, I'm very sorry. Terribly sorry. Never I... mind the apologies. Just get off my chest! Yes, officer. Archie, give me a hand. Here, Dad. Oh, Thank you. Now, officer, See, what, I... what's going on? Jughead. Jughead, how'd you get out? I piled up a bunch of jars and climbed out. Jars? My precious preserved jars? Jughead, did you break any of those jars? My shoes weren't always strawberry colored. Strawberry <laughs> colored? My strawberry jam? Mary, I... My best jam ruler. Please. Oh, it was Jughead anyway. Right, I... I... Actually, oh, I... Just a minute here. Oh, golly, what a Betty, please. Why am I... Now, listen to me, all of you. This nonsense has gone far enough. Too far, in fact. Yes, Mr. Andrews. Yes, dear. Yes, Dad. Uh-huh. Jughead, <laughs> be quiet. Now, there's one thing I want to say. There's one thing I want to say. I... I... Huh? I don't know what kind of shenanigans are going on around here. But, mister, if you can explain this, you better start talking and talk quick. But, officer, I tell you, I can explain the whole thing. My wife and I came home from a bridge game a while ago, and we discovered that we didn't have our keys, and the front door was locked. You see? This door right here was locked tighter than a drum, so we had to find a good grief. The door, it opened. It was open all the time. Oh. And we never tried the door to see if it was locked. Oh, no. Back to the Andrews. It's half an hour later and things have finally quieted down. We find Archie and his folks inside the house. Oh, oh boy, it feels good to sit down. It certainly does, dear. And how, boy, what a night. Yes, what a... Oh, great. Uh, that, that phone again. Oh, gee was I'll get it, Dad. Maybe that's the same person who was calling before. Oh, me. Mary, honestly, I have never seen such a night. Neither have I, dear. But it's all over now. And I think you did a wonderful job of explaining things to that policeman. Well, Mary, it wasn't easy. Oh, but now that it's all over, let's just forget the whole thing, shall we? Yes, Gee, dear. Can you imagine that? Imagine mm-hmm. what? That was Mr. Henderson calling. Said he'd been trying to reach you ever since you left his house. Reach me? What for? To tell you that you left your keys there. Left my keys? Listening to another chapter of the adventures of Archie Andrews, written by Carl Zantel and based on the copyrighted feature appearing in Archie Comics magazine. Hey, thank you for listening. I hope you'll be with me next week as I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. 
Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.